Today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast is brought to you by Haya Health. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Haya Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad Tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash dad tired. Or enter the code DADTIRED at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash DADTIRED. HIAHEALTH dot com slash DADTIRED. And get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HIAHEALTH.com forward slash DADTIRED. Or enter the promo code DADTIRED at checkout. Michael, super excited to be hanging out with you today, man. I got just a glimpse of your story and selfishly, there were a lot of reasons I wanted to have you on the show, just like <laughs> from a personal standpoint. But I think you, your story from even just from the, like the little pieces I've read about it, I think is going to be helpful to a lot of guys, but I'll, I'll back up a little bit. And the reasons I say selfishly is because the part I read about your story is that you grew up in a Christian home. Your dad was a pastor and you ended up making some decisions that took you on a path that you were not happy about and not expecting you to go. I don't want to put words in your own mouth, but you know, no. and so th- that stuck out to me because I have been a pastor for a long time. I'm in ministry. Now I've got kids and there's always just in the tucked in the back of my mind, man, I'm like, Oh dude, am I going to like tell, am I spending my life? Like trying to help people fall in love with Jesus, help guys try to be dads and raise kids who love Jesus. And then are my kids going to like <laughs> bail right. on the faith, you know, or right. like just go totally sideways and which is a, re- a possibility, right? Like they, they're, yeah. they, it could absolutely happen. And so I want to hear your story, man. I just, I don't have really any agenda other than I just want to hear your story about your own life, where you feel like you took some turns and then also how God has redeemed you in the midst of all that. And then how has that redemption really catapulted you into being now being used by God to help other people. So I know that was a lot yeah. there, but no, anyway. no, no, it was great. First of all, thank you for having me on. It's yeah. an honor to be here, man, yeah. with you and your audience. My dad was everything to me. My, mm. he, he was my hero. He was invincible mm. and he had this, like all fathers, the superhero thing with him, man, that when yeah. he walked into the room or came home, Everything was all right. 
And I lost him at a young age. Uh, my dad died when I was 12 years old. He had a heart attack, uh, which was caused by a stroke. And he had the stroke first and then the heart attack killed him. And what, what, was, know, the t- what was the time frame on that? From the time he so, had a heart, the stroke to the heart attack? So he had the stroke first. And then about a week later, he mm. passed. And the reason he had the stroke, he was under tremendous stress. He mm. didn't take care of his body. Mm-hmm. He was overweight mm. and it just got to him. And, and he had a blood clock in his leg that traveled from his leg to his brain first. That's what caused the stroke. Wow. And then when he was in the hospital trying to recover, he went to cardiac arrest and then passed away. Wow. But when you're 12 years old, no one can articulate that to you. No one can That's tell right. you the why. And so during that time back then, man, so this is, you know, the 80s. And so yeah. back then I called it immature religion. Right. Mm. It, it's to some degree, some of our religion is still immature. Mm. <laughs> um, that immature religion offers explanations for for things for things that are not, are not explainable and also explanations for things that are really simple. Mm. Right. And instead of someone telling me, hey, your dad didn't take care of his body. This is what happened. It became a this is God's will. And that did not sit well with me at 12. That just did not sit well with me. And it really was the beginning of my my wrong turns. It was the anger that developed in my life and my heart. Hmm. And I completely, as a parent now, just to keep it in perspective as a father, I completely understand the your original comment about worrying about your own children and what turns that they're gonna make after you've preached to some with the hope that yourself won't be a castaway, right? Mm-hmm. And by yourself, that's your children too. Mm-hmm. And if my father was alive, I probably would have never made the terms that I made. But who's to know? Uh, yeah. Who's to know? But his death was the, the, the starting point for me to be angry with God and remain angry with the world for a very long time because mm-hmm. no one could articulate to me why that happened. And it was a simple answer. Your dad wasn't healthy. Yeah. And that's all I really wanted to hear. But what I heard was the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, mm. right? Which is Job trying to wrestle with why he's going through what he's going through. Yeah. It's not a, a statement of God's. It's a statement of Job's that he's trying to figure out what's happening. And so we get to watch Job go through this when we read that in scripture, and we get a front row seat of watching him trying to grapple with everything that's happening and him think out loud. And so preachers took that and put it in God, those words in God's mouth, and has made that an example Mm. for why people suffer the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but that's immature religion. That's mm. not allowing the reality of life to be a canvas. We make the reality of life our enemy. And mm. so for me, what I was going through with losing my dad, that reality was my enemy. I wanted him there. I wanted him to be there. And because he wasn't, that made me very angry with the world. So it made it easy for me to walk away from church, to walk away from anything that had anything to do with God. Yeah. Any person, my mother dragged me to church. She made sure, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, because yeah. my mom's name is, is is Sandra, and we used to say Sandy don't play. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so she made me go because yeah. I was a kid. But as I got older, that was of course less and less over time. And so, 
my decisions, the neighborhood that we grew up in, my father pastored in a city church. And so can, can I just pause for a second, man? Cause I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's important to camp there as dads for a second on that yeah. point, because as a 12 year old, you're trying to wrestle through this reality. Your dad just yeah. died. And yeah. the church is saying, well, God gives, God takes away. What 12 year old would be like, well, then I don't want to like, why would I want to worship that God? Exactly. Like, <laughs> well, you know, exactly. like that's my dad. Right. And he just yeah. takes away. Like that's the answer. And that kind of stuff, man, is, uh, I think, really toxic in the Christian world. I think God can handle the big, messy stuff of the realities of our broken world. Obviously, yeah. he can handle it. But we dumb it down to these platitudes that aren't helpful. Right. And not only are they not helpful, but they actually end up really hurting people. And yeah. so I think... I always err on the side of with my kids and obviously you have to be sensitive to your kids and their maturity level and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I would rather be as a dad, I want them to face the reality of the brokenness of this world Yeah. in realistic context. The world yeah. is broken. Bad things are happening. And then when they're starting to understand the good news of the gospel, that good news actually feels like good news because yeah. God is redeeming things back to the way that they should be or that they should have been. And so I guess that's just a long way of saying, I'm just learning from, as I listen to your story as a dad, when the stuff hits the fan in our life, how do I approach that? How do I disciple their little hearts yeah. in those moments? And I just don't think that the little like Christian platitudes are helpful. <laughs> that was a long they, way of they, saying that. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't help. And that's what I was getting at when I was saying, you know, the neighborhood that I grew up in, right? My father made that reality my canvas. Mm. He used it as a tool to show me what's possible mm. in terms of having God in your life. How do you peace in the midst of the storm? Mm. And all of those concepts and, and tools of wisdom. Yeah. And he used reality uh, that way for me. Yeah, because reality is reality. There's no need to distort it. It's there. We can see it, and it's everywhere in this technological age. Yeah. And so, uh, for me, he was kind of that. He, he was that anchor. As a dad, for me now, I've done the same for my children. Mm. And it was ironically we raised our kids that way to have these discussions and conversations, age appropriate, right. obviously. But when my sons, particularly my son, would have questions, we searched for the answers together. Mm -hmm. And we made, I made it a, a practice for he and I to figure it out. And if I didn't know, I didn't know. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, particularly when it comes to concepts of God, because he's immense, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient. How can I explain his omniscience? How can I? really articulate that. So there's some things, there's some mystery there, son, that right. we're going to have to hold on to. That's why it's called faith, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and work that out together. So for me, man, all of my wrong turns really began with, with my dad leaving my life, mm -hmm. which is why it's so important to be present with your kids, even if you're not perfect, because there's no such thing, right? Mm -hmm. So for the dads that are listening, you really don't have to be perfect but you do have to be present. And by present, I mean, you got to be there, dude. You really have to be there. Yeah. And some of my decisions, which we'll probably get to later, 
uh, as a father, some of the things I gave up, some of the things I sacrificed were so that I could be present yeah. uh, for, for my kids. I do want to hear those, but let's stay in that like part of your story where you're 12 years old, you just lost your dad, and that was the start of you making some of those wrong turns. What happened? Like, What were the, some of the turns that you started to make as a young man? By 12, man, I started allowing the negative elements of my community to influence me more. Mm. So I got into drugs, drug dealing, uh, popping cars, stuff like that. Mm. Little ticky tacky stuff that mm-hmm. city boys do. Mm-hmm. But for me, it became kind of a way of life. Yeah. Uh, something that I really look forward to because it gave me a sense of belonging. Mm. And I was trying to heal that, that daddy wound mm-hmm. of my father not being there. And unfortunately, there weren't any men stable enough around me that provided some t- sort of positive modeling or mentoring for me. The guys that I looked up to who were older than me were were models, but they were models in the negative direction. Mm. But to a 12-year-old city boy, though that gold, that flash, that car, Mm -hmm. those clothes were alluring to me. Mm -hmm. And so I aspired to be like them. And so by you know 12, 13, 14, I'm selling drugs, got a chop shop, all sorts of crazy stuff. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't mm. believe I'm out here like this. Mm. And my mother, being as wise as she was, moved us away from the city and got me away from all of that, which gave me a brief reprieve uh, from that life because I wasn't in the environment. Mm. And that was very wise on her part. And then athletics came into my life and really kind of shaped me and molded me and helped me to try to get my life back on track. Did that work? Sports. I mean, was that the turning point for you to get back on track? No, it was actually the turning point for me to go further, deeper into making those wrong turns. And so Mm. I wound up getting a D1 scholarship to play basketball Mm. and lost that scholarship because I was in a horrific car accident. Oh, wow. So my freshman year in college, went home for a weekend visit. I hadn't even been in school for 30 days. (laughs) <laughs> and they told me take the visit because we were about to go into full-blown practice. The semester's kicking off and everything. And it's going to be a minute before I'm going to see be able to go anywhere because mm-hmm. you know basketball teams play over the holidays. And so I took the visit, came home, went out with some friends. The guy that we decided to go to an amusement park the next day, we had been out all night. Mm. And so we five in the morning decided, hey, let's just drive down to the music park. We we'll get there when it opens. And the guy that was driving fell asleep behind the wheel. Oh I woke God. up in the hospital. Wow. My lower torso was caught underneath the dash. My upper oh. torso went through the windshield. Oh my! And they told me I would never walk again, let alone play again. And so that was the beginning of another spiral for me that was even deeper into the darkness than I ever anticipated my life could go. And you're in your early 20s. At this point, I'm 17 years old, 17, (laughs) about to turn 18. I'm 17 years old. True freshman, by the way. Wow. I'm six foot three. I I am back then. I was like 190, 195, ran a four, three and a 40, 40 inch vertical. I mean, I was an athlete, man. 
Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it feels so, good to remember all that, doesn't it? Now, as it does, man, you're I like, can't do it. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't do it my dad, my, my, my son asked me the other day, he's like, Dad, have you ever raced anyone? I'm like, I used to win every race. You know, he's like, No, you, you never even ran before. I'm like, God, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, my son is six, seven, man. And oh, I, no know, way. Yeah, Holy I cow. stopped playing ball with him a while ago. We, you know. <laughs> He made a move and was hanging off the rim. I went in the house. I said, all right, this is over. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Let's go watch a, a game. I'm good at watching games. Rap. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my when gosh. When your mind is doing something that your body can't yeah, do no that's the story of my life. That's the story of my life these days, bro. That's the story of my life. Man. Yeah. Okay, so you, you're 17. You're in the hospital. They're like, you're never going to walk again. Yeah. And it's devastating news. You know, it's like I'm, I made it out of all that foolishness. Now I can have a life. Basketball is going to be my passport to the world. Hmm. It's going to be all right. And now it's not. And again, I didn't have, I had a great family, but I didn't have that person to say, here's your next move. Here's what you need to do. You know, it was just me trying to figure out what to do with my pain. Yeah. And when you don't know what to do with your pain, you typically transmit it instead of transform it. And so I took that pain of not being able to play, walk, and decided as I was in recovery, that I'm just going to go back to my old lifestyle. Mm. Because that seems like the only thing that I can do. Yeah, And that's exactly what happened. And so that year of my life was one of the craziest years of my life. Mm. And wind up getting arrested almost a year removed from that accident, mm. about a year and a half. I was facing 30 years in jail Wow! on a RICO charge and couldn't believe that I was in that position. Couldn't believe. When you're facing time like that, the reality really does sit in that this could be your life, mm. that your destiny could be written on these center block walls and concrete wow. floors. Wow. And that's what I thought, but God had different plans. Hmm. What happened? So you, you've got, you're potentially facing 30 years. So I did six months of pre-trial, what they call pre-trial detention. So okay. six months I'm in cell, a 23-7 facility. 23-7 just simply means you're in your cell for 23 hours a day, seven days a week. You come out one hour, shower, shave, do whatever you got to do. Jeez. And then you're back in your cell. And, yeah, and you, were, yeah, you were an adult at this time. You had turned 18. Yeah. So yeah. You got, you're, you're facing the big. And what did you do? To, uh, so you, this was for, they gave me a RICO charge. So for racketeering, big mob bosses get this type of thing because we had an enterprise. So we were selling crack. We were selling credit cards. And mm-hmm. it was the credit cards that really did it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, not even the drugs, it was the credit cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah, yeah you, can, federal you, can, you can mess up with all the help but just don't mess exactly. with the money yeah, yeah. exactly right yeah. so federal offices basically raided my home you know our whole wow. enterprise and i fled i fled and i was headed to florida and my mother talked me into turning myself in wow. and so i decided to turn myself in ironically if i can tell this little anecdote yeah i was at a very busy intersection in virginia and headed to Florida. And I had to make a decision, either keep going or turn around. And the intersection was so busy, there was like no possible way I could turn around. And had I kept, had I took the exit and kept going, 
I probably would have kept going, right? Mm. Uh, but I rolled my window down and I started just begging people basically, hey, let me over, let me over. And people did. And I was able to, to make the turn. And so that's when I kind of discovered that wrong lanes have mm. right turns. Wow. And <laughs> right, I'm in the wrong lane. I need to make a right turn. And it's that's life. Yeah. That's life. That when you find yourself going in the wrong direction, in the wrong place, in the wrong position, you can still make the right turn, but there's some things that you're going to have to do that are going to be uncomfortable, that probably not your preference, but you're still going to have to do them if you're going to have, if you're going to make that turn and head to where you need to go. So here I am. Well, I want to pause there. Sorry to keep interrupting, yeah. bro, but no, no, no. I want to no, pause no. there because somebody listening right now is in the wrong lane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. listening right now is either they're in the car, they're working out, they're at work, they're on a walk, they're mowing the lawn, whatever. And they're in the wrong lane of life right now. And they know it. And bro, I just want you to, for the listener that's hearing that, and I just believe, man, that God is chasing you down. The very fact that you even heard those words right now out of Michael's mouth, and you're listening to this podcast right now is evidence God is chasing you down with his great love, by the way. And if that thought convicts you at all, Bro, just know like the Holy Spirit is after you. And if you feel like you're on in the wrong lane and you feel like I can't even turn around, it's impossible to turn around right now. I don't even know what it would take to turn around. I just really believe God can make a way. And the very fact that you're even listening to these words right now is evidence that that's probably what needs to happen. So I just want to pause there because I think that there's moments like that where it's like, man, somebody's life is going to change right now because of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in them. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just didn't want to miss that. No, that's a help. That's a really good interruption right there. Uh, all of us need to know it's okay to want to make the turn and not know how. Yeah. I want it so bad to be out of the path of the decisions that I made. Hmm. I want it so bad not to be in that world. I want it so bad to get out, hmm. but I didn't know how. Hmm. I, didn't, I couldn't even begin to know how. Hmm. And it was through people. God would send people into my life at these mm. critical moments to help me get to where I needed to go. And it wasn't like huge things. It was just an encouraging word or tap on the shoulder mm-hmm. with a private conversation that I had mm-hmm. with, with just me and God or me and my thoughts. And they would articulate that back to me. And I knew that mm. as, to use your words, his great love was chasing me down. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to be where you are, but it's not okay to stay there. Yeah. It's not okay to stay there and you can turn. Yeah. I'm living proof. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you made proof. the turn like physically, <laughs> like you, you made that <laughs> like physically, turn. right? Yeah. 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 Turn, right? yeah. And, and what you go? I'm you going to jail. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to jail. Right. So that's insane, man. Your heart had yeah. to just be racing. Oh, it was terrifying. You know, and what I said was, all right, I'm not going to make an excuse for what I did. I did what I did. I got caught. Where am I going? It's federal. There's no way I can sustain my life somewhere else right now. So I need to figure, I need to figure this out. And I had a ton of cash and all that stuff, but it was just like, where are you going? Like, is this going to be your life for the rest of your life to be on the run? I hate to you keep interrupting. Yeah, I, I hate to <laughs> right. keep interrupting you, man. But just like, dude, yeah. if for those of you guys that are listening, you may not be running from the Fed, <laughs> from the police or whatever. 
but you're running from just confessing something or having a hard conversation with your wife or reconciliation with that friend or family member. And bro, if like, if Michael can turn the car around to go turn himself into a potentially 30 year sentence, you can have a hard conversation. You can like confess and stuff like it is what feels impossible can be possible. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just feel like, no, no, <laughs> no, please. You, man, yeah. No, you good. You yeah. good. And so that's exactly right. It's the same. My experience is the lived experience for so many men, mm-hmm. right? Okay. We do what we do. We're, we're fighting what we're fighting with. We're struggling what we're struggling with. Who do we tell? How do we get help? Mm. How do we really sit down and face ourselves? That's the mm. real question, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And stop being loyal to our mistakes. That's it. I had a loyalty mm. <laughs> to my old mindsets and to my mistakes. I had a loyalty to it. Right. And I had to lose it and let it go. And there are a few things that can shake your world up and make you do that. Jail is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. Yeah. Jail is one of them. And when yeah. they shut that door, you know, okay, this, hey, this is it. So for me, six months later, on a Sunday, they come and get me out my cell. And I'm terrified because it's Sunday. Nothing mm. happens on Sunday in prison. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out, all right, am I catch a, am I about to catch a beat from one of these guards? Am I about, you know, what's what's up? Like, you know, so mm. I'm asking a guy, where are we going? He's not saying nothing. And, you know, they're walking me outside. I'm like, oh, you know, who knows what's gonna happen? So I'm just kind of gearing up for that. Finally, they get me into the van. And we're driving. I still don't know where we're going. We end up mm. at a federal building and they escort me out and take me upstairs. And I'm in the judge's chamber. I walk in, the prosecutor's there, my attorney's there, and the judge comes in and he sits down in front of me and says, Michael, would you like to go to jail? Would you like to go to school? Mm. And I said, well, let me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me think about it. Give me a few days. Let, let yeah. me weigh those options. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I said, no, yeah. man, I want to go to school. And so he began to tell me about <laughs> I'll study anything. I will literally anything. study anything. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> and so he, they put me in this program called give me a chance. It was a man by the name of Bill Owens at the time who had this mm. program. Mm. And it was for adjudicated young people who had college potential. Wow. And instead of serving prison time, you went to college. Wow. The prosecutor signed off on it because he thought that I was just a pawn in the whole the mm. whole scheme of things. Yeah. And they were after our supplier yeah. more than they were after me. And so, you know, that's what happened. Wow. And it completely changed my life. Now, and the kicker was, was that I had to go to Old Roberts University, mm. uh, <laughs> which I didn't even know yeah. what Old Roberts University was. And I didn't even know. I knew who Oral Roberts was yeah. because my because of my father. Mm. So my father would, would take us down to Tulsa every year for Kenneth Hagen and stuff like that. Okay. And so I knew who those guys were. Yeah. I just didn't know that there was a full blown university and all that other stuff. Okay. Yeah. And so so here I am, still angry with God at a place where it's like all God. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that anger didn't leave. Even though I was free, mm. it stayed, and that was the beginning of my turn. Mm. That that was the beginning of me coming to grips with myself, mm. of facing myself, of having that hard conversation with Michael, and saying, "What type of man do you want to be?" 
Yeah. And it was the beginning of my turnaround. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this interview so far. I just want to take a quick minute to pause and tell you about a really cool resource I just recently discovered I think you're going to love and it's going to be helpful for your family. It's called Loam. It's a calendar and a planning tool that you can use to get the whole family involved to bring a little bit of order to probably the chaos that you're feeling in your family. I know I feel this with all the different schedules. I have four kids, a wife, a marriage work, all this kind of stuff. And we're trying to figure out how do we put all this stuff together where we can work together as a family. And sometimes that can get really hard. And so Loam, what they did is they created a calendar that allows you to sit down with your kids. It's customizable. There are visual routine trackers. So you can put things like uh, chore charts, bedtime charts, uh, when your kids should brush your teeth, when lights should be out, all that kind of stuff. It's all in here. They even have image view, which is really cool. So for us, we have young ones like three-year-old and one-year-olds. Obviously, they can't read yet. Um, but you can use image view. And so it pulls up the calendar and they can just see visuals like, oh, it's dinner time or it's time to brush my teeth or whatever. So really cool way to incorporate the whole family, even those who can't read. If you get stuck and you're like, I don't know what we should put in our calendar as a whole family. I just always put work or whatever in there. But you want to get the whole family involved. They actually have inspirational ideas for shared time together. They'll, they'll have ideas for meals, activities, fun conversations, all kinds of stuff that you can import directly into the calendar really, really easily. And lastly, they work with all the other calendars. Uh, they're continuing to update to get more and more calendars. But if you got like a Gmail calendar you want to, or a Google calendar you want to throw in there, no problem. It will easily sync to that. They have a really cool offer. This was created by Dad Tired listeners, guys who love Jesus, love their family, and are trying to create more intentional time with their family. They created a special offer just for you, the Dad Tired listeners. If you go to withloam.com forward slash Dad Tired, again, that's withloam, L O M E dot com forward slash dad tired they're going to give you a code to try your first month for free you use the code dad tired at checkout all one word dad tired at checkout you'll get your first month free again that's with loam.com forward slash dad tired use the promo code dad tired at checkout all one word and you'll get your first month free what do you think for the guy who feels like he maybe again he's not facing that prison time maybe 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 he's just like He's in the same rut. He's loyal to his mistakes. I love how you said that. And he's just, and he wants to be a different man, but he can't get himself to face the stuff. What would you say to that guy right now? So first of all, you got to be honest with the pain that you're in. I was angry because my father died. Hmm. I was angry with the world because I felt abandoned. Hmm. And my religion, offered no explanation. Mm. And so because I had no answers, I turned inward and I kept that pain and I stored it. And the way I used my pain was to get power. That's why I sold drugs because it gave me power. Yeah. And it made me felt like I was in control and no one's going to do anything to me anymore mm. because I didn't want to have that feeling of helplessness that I had when they yeah. told me my father died. Yeah. So you have the same thing. What are you going to do with that pain? Mm. And I had to face myself and say, okay, you've transmitted it all over this place, mm. hurt people. What do you want to do now? Yeah. And so I had to first give pain a voice. Mm. That means get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's really at the core of why you feel the way you feel? Yeah. 
Was that it's all self-discovery for you or did somebody help you pro process that? All, all self-discovery. Wow. And it, so for me, it was all self-discovery. And the reason it was self-discovery is because men don't know how to ask for help. Yeah. And especially men without fathers. Yeah. So you don't learn how to ask for help. When I was 17 years old, I was uh, all state and they had a banquet and I had to wear a tie and it wasn't a clip on and I didn't know how to tie a tie. Dude, you, that, this kind of stuff like makes me choke up every time. You got to move past it or I'm going to start. <laughs> Listen, I grew up without and, a dad and, I, and yeah, I've had that exact experience. I get teary eyed, man, just thinking about it right yeah. now. But that, those kind of things are just like, yeah. Yeah. And I spent hours in the bathroom, tears rolling down my face. Those tears felt like cement blocks yeah. until I figured out how to darn tie tie. I had nobody to show me. And so when you grow up like that, who are you, you going to ask for help? You're not going to, you're going to internalize everything. You're going to keep that stuff inside. And so I had to, as God worked on my heart, miraculously, mm-hmm. miraculously. Okay. And I'll tell you, I want to share this with this guy. So I feel like I need to. When I went to RU, I hated RU. Like, mm. hated. They called me the demon seat there. Mm. And not because of them, but just because of me. Like, I, didn't, I was very rude. I was very brash. I was just mm. like, leave me alone. Right. Mm. And, but God cut through all of that. And I went to a, they had a mandatory revival service that you had to go to. It was in the spring mm. of like 94. And I never got high. Like, I was always aware and conscious of my surroundings. I don't, I don't, I never smoked drugs like mm-hmm. that oh, but i decided that day to smoke some weed and i i mean i did <laughs> yeah. i did listen it is what it is <laughs> the day <laughs> of the revival <laughs> the day of the revival and yeah. i did i i got as high as i could yeah. i drank i drank a whole fifth of vodka mm. uh great goose vodka and i chased it with some Budweiser, and i went to church like that mm. wow. and in that posture the spirit and the love of god came and found me like that mm. And I was sober and my heart began to change in that moment. I read the presence of God filled me so much. I ran out of the building. It's like 5,000 people in this place. I mm. ran out up the middle aisle, literally, mm. and ran back to my dorm room and fell to my knees. And God was there to meet me there. And that was the beginning of my transformation. I gave my life to him. Wow. And that's when I began to deal with me. Mm. Because my heart changed and I began to say, okay, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. That's not the man that I want to be. Yeah. And I started to ask for help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? And and I learned as I was reading and studying and trying to figure out why am I so angry? I learned that you have to give your pain a voice. Mm. You, you, you have to say what it is. You have to face it. Because ultimately, you're not what happened to you. Mm. You're what you choose to become. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You're not what you did. I wasn't what I did, yeah. but that's how I defined myself. Right. And I carried that weight of what I did instead of carrying the purpose of who I am. Mm. And once I started coming out of what I did and what happened to me, mm-hmm. all that bitterness and anger just went away. Yeah, And I was able to embrace who I am now. And then when my son was born, mm. game changer, game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what way for game you? Changer. Yeah, it's a game. It's always a game changer for a man game to have changer, a son. Man. But but for you, what specifically, what was it about having a son that 
when my mm-hmm. son was born, I'll never forget it. I can tell you what I had on to a T. I don't know. <laughs> to a T. I can tell you what I had on. And uh, I can describe the room to you. Because when Mike was born and I held him, I said to myself, all right, dude, you really got to get your stuff together. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that was so powerful for me was because it was, okay, your father's gone, but his is not. Mm. And so now you get to be to him what you didn't get to experience. You got yeah. to experience it a little bit. My dad was a great dad. He was a phenomenal man. Yeah. But he just left me very soon. And now I get to to do that for my son. Yeah. And so all of the stuff I was mad with, worried about, you know, resented, that all that went away. And now it was all about him. Because the last thing I was going to do is is be a generational thief. Like I've already robbed a lot of a lot of things and stole a lot of things. I will not steal from my child. Mm. <laughs> okay. Wow. By not giving him what he needs from me. Wow. And so it became all about him, man. And when he was born, I didn't know what to do. Jen, I didn't I didn't know nothing about no fatherhood, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I thought I was going to break him. I thought, yep. Yep. <laughs> listen, listen, I thought that, oh God, this boy's going to turn out crazy. I, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Uh, but the thing I did do was just be present. Yep. I mean, to really be present with him and learn who this kid is and then put him in the position uh, to become everything that he was purposed to be. Mm. And now today he's a grown man and, and we're like the tightest of, of, of friends. And he just left last night. He went back to Chicago, but hmm. it's a phenomenal relationship because I, you got to get over the fact that you don't know what to do and just be there until you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I think we all, I mean, anyone listening to dad tire pocket, I think we all, uh, we all felt that real quick. You know, every, yeah. as soon as we had a we're like, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I have no, no idea clue. what I'm doing here. <laughs> no clue. Yeah. No clue. And that's but, okay. Yeah, it's totally okay. And it points us to a better God. It makes us relying on a better God, a better father. We, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, we like to fix things, but this is something we can't really fix. We have to have a God that's bigger and better than us to, to teach us, to give us the kind of wisdom we don't have. You no, know, fatherhood is really, it's, it's more about covering than it is about fixing. Mm. And if you look at my experience as a father was never to try to fix my son, but to cover my son. Mm. And a prime example of that is the prodigal son, right? You have, which I hate that term is the header that we use, but Mm. the word prodigal means useless. And in this Mm. case, it's really not useless because the story in and of itself is really about redemption. And it's about the father. It's not about the sons. That's right. And even though this young man went and spent all his money with Rod is living, he went to Vegas, he partied, he got it in. Yay. <laughs> now he's coming back right. and the father covers him. But can you imagine coming back to a closed community where everybody knows what you did mm-hmm. and what you did was an embarrassment to your father, but yet your father is standing, running out to you to cover you. And you got to come back filthy and dirty and he still covers you. Mm-hmm. And puts the ring on you and says, kill the fatty cab and let's throw a party for my son. Why? Because fatherhood is about covering. It's not about fixing. Mm. It's about saying to your children, I got you. I got you. 
because you are developing into a human being, not a human doing, mm-hmm. a human being. And my job is to make you help you to become a great human being, not fix you, but oh, to cover you and yeah. love you. Yeah, man. I love that you frame that story that we all know in that perspective because the story is about the father. Right. It is about the yeah. father. That's what that story is about. But it's knowing that characteristic of the father that shapes our identity, right? Exactly. You know your you know your dad's like that. You know your love at your worst, at, at your, your worst. worst on your worst day. That's how yeah. your dad responds. Right. That gives you a confidence. Most men are gonna you're gonna feel hopeless because you're like, man, if, if 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 people really knew me, if people really knew I don't actually have my stuff together. They're not going to want me. They're not going to want to be around me. But you know your dad knows you at your worst. Yeah. Yeah, And he's with you. I mean, that that gives you hope and a confidence that nothing in the world can give. And that's the gospel, right? That's the gospel. Yeah. That's the gospel. Yep. That at our worst, on our worst day, he still loves you. That's right. And he did that for me. He did it Mm -hmm. for you. He'll do it for any guy that's listening. And even as we struggle as fathers and as men and trying to figure all this stuff out, He's still that loving father. Yep. It never changes. <laughs> yep. That's good news, man. You know, as I listen to your story and I've heard other stories of men and their brokenness, I have a story of brokenness in my own life and my father not being there. I always think about like just a kid lost in the woods. How many mistakes would have been avoided and how many things that felt so scary and overwhelming just would have felt, felt a little less scary if you just had a guide with you. Somebody that's like, I I know we're in the thick of it, but I got you. I'm covering you. I'm with you. I'm here. Man, I think for any guy that's listening, like at the end of the day, like we've been talking about, you don't need all the answers. You don't have to have a degree in theology to be a spiritual leader of your home. It's the fact that I'm with you in the same way that the father is with me on my worst day. I'm with you on your worst day. And the amount of men that would avoid some serious pitfalls if they just had a man next to them, a guide, a sage, somebody that went before them and said, I've been on this path and I'm now with you. The amount of pitfalls that would be avoided if we just, if boys and daughters had that, um, a stable man next to them. Um, Dude, our culture, our world would be radically different. If you feel like you're not doing enough as a man, or you feel like, I, I don't know if I'm living in my purpose, or I don't know, I need a better job, or I'm not doing the right job, or we need more money. Dude, out of all the things you could be chasing after, if you are just a solid, faithful, humble, repentant, stable man next to your children, you are changing the world quite literally. And I think both of our stories just like magnify that truth. Yeah, literally. Yeah. You're, you're literally changing the world. Yeah. Because you said something that that just sparked something in me. In my early 20s, I'm trying to make up for lost time. Mm. And I carry this. I'm in my 40s now, and I'm just getting the guilt off of me. Mm. The guilt of what I did for all that time, I carried. Even Mm. though it was a long process of trying to transform my pain and all that, I still carried it. and Mm. It was still there. But in my early 20s, I was so consumed with providing for my family that I was working 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I had spent no time with my wife, uh, no time with my son. I missed the first two years, basically, 
mm. of my son because he was I was working trying to make it happen. You know how we do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and at 27, I took a sabbatical just to spend time with my family. Mm. Best decision I ever made in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Changed. I believe my son's life. My daughter was just born, mm. and I really wanted to just be there. And I stayed home for six months. Wow. And then when I went back to work, I went back to work on my terms that I would not negotiate family time That's right. at, you know, for anything. And I can still be productive and I can still get it done. But what I'm not going to do is not be here. And even when I went into ministry, I did the same thing mm. for my children because it's what it's all about. I drove them everywhere. I was, <laughs> you know, I just... They became my world in my life. And I made a conscious decision to do that, even though I didn't have all the answers and, and I wanted to be that provider and do all the things. And, and God still blessed me. And I was all of those things. I was able to provide. I was able to do all of those things. But there were certain things I had to yield to. One was my ego. I had to yield to that and, and say, okay, don't let your ego drive. Yes. All right. And I was able to do that. And God still honored that. And so I just wanted to share that with the listeners, man, to say, you know, God will honor you. You don't, you don't, yeah. success doesn't have to be cruel. Mm. <laughs> okay. It, for you to get there, you don't have to give up your kids and your family to get yeah. there. Yeah. And it's the, the conscious decision that you're going to chase after long-term fruit versus short-term fruit. I can yeah. work hard today, maybe get a little extra money or get a raise or a pat on the back at work or buy that toy or whatever I want today. But sacrificing some of that stuff to know you're going for the long-term fruit that when I'm dead, I've got kids who know they were loved and dad was around and then grandkids are being shaped and great grandkids. It's the long-term fruit that I'm That's after, it. not just the short-term stuff. I'm so grateful, man, to hear a piece of your story. I know you wrote like way more about your story in your book. Tell us about your book where guys can pick yeah. up a copy of that. Yeah, man. I'm very excited about this. Wrong lanes have right turns is, you know, my story. And it's my story against the backdrop of, of the need for some real change in our society. Mm -hmm. And so there are obviously personal elements there that'll help you, educational things that'll make you knowledgeable. And it's really about human lives being redeemable. Mm. And I'm excited to share it. You can get it everywhere books are sold. Yeah. Uh, you can go to michaelphillipsbook.com if you like and read a little bit more about it. Get a sneak peek on a chapter and all those wonderful things. But just, I cannot tell you how grateful I am uh, to be able to share this story with everyone. Mm. Oh, man. Well, it, it was such an honor to have you on and obviously encourage all of our listeners, go pick up a copy of that, leave a review on Amazon. You guys know, I always say that, but it really does help authors so much when you leave a review. Yes. So man, thank you. I look forward to staying in touch with you, brother. And just like continuing to watch your journey and how God continues to use your redemption story to bring more chunks of his kingdom here to earth, bro. It was, it was really good meeting you. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview today and that it was helpful for you on your journey of falling more in love with Jesus and helping your family do the same. If you want to get connected with other like-minded guys, we'd love to have you come join our exclusive community that's off all the social media platforms. 
You can do that by going to connect.dadtired.com. Again, that's connect.dadtired.com. We'll see you over there. Thank you.